be. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Textual Talk. I'm your host, HD. And we got, I don't even know if you call him a veteran. He should, I guess he's like legend status, man. He got 30 <laughs> years of the game, man. He goes by the name of Professor Black Ops, man. So let's give him a round of applause and let's welcome me in the textual way. Man, what's going on, man? You've been, you know, we've been supposed to do this for a while now. I ain't forget about you. The last time you shot me your stuff in the email and I sent it out, I said, man, let's let's get it done. So uh, first of all, can you tell the viewers about yourself and, you know, who you are, what you do? Oh, yeah, that's no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, my code name is Professor Black Ops. Like I said, we've been talking about chopping it up, so we could get it done. Um, I'm 53 years old. I got 30 plus years in IT. I got 15 years in cybersecurity. I call myself the OG of the space. So I came on here to help people, right? So when you told me to come, I'm here. So, um, I've done everything from junior programmer to programmer to, uh, web administration application. I've done Java for five years. I made my first bag in Oracle. Everybody think Oracle's a mainframe now. Um, I'd had my first internship in 1988 on a mainframe computer. So that's how long I've been in the game, man. So once again, I just came out and, you know, we've been talking about chopping it up. So I'm glad I'm here. And I'm just, like I said, trying to help the space and trying to give out information. Man, I really appreciate that because you know, as I know, I mean, granted, when you started in 1988, I'll be 30 this year. So that was four years. So that was 34 years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but you know, even back then, how hard it would probably see two people like us in the space. They got the experience. I'm pretty sure like most of the time it was only you. Oh, yeah. That's one reason I came on uh, YouTube. Like you said, it was just me and you. And really, it was just me before you got here. I got a few years. Of you, so it was just me. So um I want to make sure, like you said, we conjugate. I love your channel, your panel. So you can see people like us, like me, like you. Uh, shout out to the women you had a, a panel on color. So I just want to let people, as you will, you're not out here by yourself. See, I'm pre-Google. When you got in trouble, you actually had to pull manuals off the shelf. There was no Reddit. There was no Google. There was none of that. No, no Slack or Discord, man. You were really out here on your own. So, you know, like I said, I'm pre-Google and pre-Beeper. So, nah, like I said, that's one reason I came to this space <laughs> and uh, to give out game and to help people any way I can. You sound like me talking to, um, I got I got younger brothers and sisters, like they're high school and middle school to where, you know, they got apps. They take a picture for math problem. It'll do it for them. I was like, hey, he had that. <laughs> I had to learn how to pet, do, do the problem. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. So, uh, how long... How long you actually been on uh, YouTube? I just got on YouTube really like a year, probably not think of probably a year and a couple months. Like I said, I was uh, on YouTube. Then I follow TLA, uh, Keep It Techie. They were like, come on YouTube, man. We need older people on YouTube. Like, it kind of hurt my feelings. I'm old, but then that <laughs> makes sense. So I like, let me give my game to the people. And just like I said, help them, you know, do my connections and just get known. So I've only really been on YouTube for uh, like a year and a couple months. Like I said, shout out to you and other people for helping me. I think I'm 80 hours for monetization so I can see okay. it. <laughs> hey, if if y'all watching this right now, man, first of all, get the likes up and make sure you go follow Professor Black Ops 
channel because he does do a lot of great things. A lot of times when you're streaming, I'm busy, so I can't really just tune in. But he started like from the ground up, if I'm not mistaken, like an AWS course. Like, you know, if you want to go in and tune in and, and watch that, like a lot of useful stuff that uh, he's done on his uh, on his platform. But so what I'll do is I'll go back to we'll probably go back to right before 1988. Like, mm-hmm. did you go to college? Oh, yeah. I'm the prototypical guy. You know, back then your parents tell you, you got to go to college. So uh, I got a bachelor's from Indiana State in 1990. I got my MBA in 1995 and I'm a thorn. I'm a professor in real life. I've, I've been teaching for 11 years. Uh, I think I'm about to stop because me and the school get into it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring all those classes to YouTube, right? I don't let students tell me what to do with something. So, yeah, I've been teaching for 10 years as part of my give back. Like, I probably should have flunked a few brothers, but I told them this intro, so I'm going to help them out a little bit, give them a couple points in life. So that's what I want to do on YouTube, give people a couple points and give them a little push so they can get into this cybersecurity, just IT in general, to be honest. Cool. So you uh, you sound you sound like you from the West Coast. You from the West Coast? Oh no, nah, man, I'm from Indiana, Indiana, Indianapolis, man. I'm from the Midwest. Oh, okay. Where housing okay. is cheap. I've been in Silicon Valley and did some work in there. They were talking about man. four thousand for a, a studio. I'm like, dude, I can get ten acres with the horse. I've been in New York. I've been all over programming. So no, I'm in Indiana, man. Trust me, and I'm from Louisiana, where housing is cheap. Oh. So trust me, you know, you know, I know. That's that's a good place. Listen, if, if people watching this, I'm not like this big real estate guy, but you got some cash to throw away. Uh, you could put it out there. By the, we got a big base out there, Barksdale Air Force Base. You know, you get some housing out there. Military gonna pay for the people to stay there. You know, just throwing that, throwing it out there. Um, so with that, now I'm gonna leave with a couple of other Indiana jokes. So I mean, <laughs> questions. So would that make you a Colts fan? Of course, of course. But, uh, you know, Peyton Manning, even though <laughs> New England was beating us up the pub, we were always in the playoffs for a good 10 years with Peyton Manning. Man. We thought we was going to win the Super Bowl. They used to hurt my heart every year. But shout out to the Colts. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a big Peyton fan. I used to actually – I mean, I still go for the Colts when I can, but they told me I couldn't like both teams. <laughs> uh, you know, I used to tell people all the time they would try to blame him. It's like, well, you got to think about it. Yeah, he had some good – weapons for offense but for most part that defense wasn't as good as they was making the scene they just score so much on people to where they'd be up ahead and they just let the pass rushers go but when it came to crunch time you know they weren't good the the years that they had like top 10 top five defenses is when they either went to the super bowl or won it you know who imagines what y'all would have did had bob sanders ever would have stayed healthy (laughs) hey that 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 year he gave y'all, that was good enough to get that ring. I met him in person. That dude is not big at all. He like five nine, man. But he be coming. He with wide his, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Now he bit. Now like you said, he wide. Now he about that life. But I think he knew he wasn't gonna last, man. The way he played, man. He was just running yeah. downhill. He now in this league he could play oh. because it's not as physical. Oh yeah, but back it's then you had big fullbacks running downhill and that. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we don't yeah, do I, that. See, I don't really see no big fullbacks no, no more, man. No, I spread look, them I, out. I played ball. I didn't have some some headaches from hey, you better go blow up that uh, that fullback so that person can make the tackle. Okay, I'm gonna try. <laughs> I realized a long time ago that I just wanted to play. I didn't really care about going pro. Facts, <laughs> facts. But um cool. So you got your education and then let's talk about that that nineteen eighty eight start like that's pretty much that's that's where it starts at like mm-hmm. how was that what's, what's that experience like actually it was an internship so it's my junior year in college 
I get an internship like you're always preaching and it's mainframe. So what they do in a mainframe is you got to put tapes in a very cold room because there was enough, not enough space. So the JCO would come up and give you tape number and it'd be like 20 tapes. You got to keep putting tw- tapes on because it ain't like it's a, a, a petabyte in your pocket back then. <laughs> so you put the tapes on it, it uh, writes the, uh, the data on the mainframe and it can read it. So that's what you're doing. I'm in the park in a suit putting tapes on because they want you to learn when you start programming, don't be yelling at the tape room. So I'm in there freezing the rooms like 40 degrees is trying to keep the mainframe cools because you can fry egg on them <laughs> because they were just got that hot. So that's really the beginning. I'm working, that's my internship at a, a large state agency putting tapes on for a mainframe. Nice. Yeah, man. I'm done. Them things. I ain't have to do all that. You know, years later, even just going to like the server room and stuff, they's always cold. Like, man, anybody trying to stay in here? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so let's, let's go into when you pretty much, you started programming, uh, and like, I know it's different. Like the languages have been a little different, especially like my recent reaction video I did where, uh, the guy was saying like a lot of people tell people to go to, or it's Python, but he said, Hey, Looking to go for you know for programming, but back then you know what were y'all programming with? Uh, I was doing COBOL and RPG. Uh, my first programming job, I was actually working for the university, and I was on work study. Uh, you could get this kind of like a Pell Grant; they give you work study. So I was actually working for the statistic lab, doing microfocus COBOL on a mini computer. So I was programming in 1988 for for the university. So uh, getting my experience. So when I got out. Uh, I could get my first job, like you always talk about, getting an internship, getting experience. So I was about that life at the beginning. <laughs> so that's what I was doing for the university. Yeah. Man, and that's a, um, that's a nice way because you had a meaningful work study. Like, I know a lot mm-hmm. of people's work studies weren't meaningful. Fine. Just like, I'd say probably the first year and a half of school, my work study wasn't meaningful. I was uh, just like, a, it's crazy. I, I, I think I talked about this a little bit, but uh, what happened was I was uh, working in one of the engineering buildings at uh, LA Tech. And that's I actually am thankful for us being places. She, uh, my boss at the time, Miss Kelly, she was, she did some with the camera, pretty much, you know, all these different, you're a professor. So whatever it is, you know, the uh, university gives you guys all those, the funding with those credit cards on us so where y'all can buy stuff and yeah, all that different stuff. So she would keep records and accounts of that. And I would used to help her. So I actually used to fill out something like the ledgers and all that crap, but it was boring to me. I didn't like it. And it just so happened that, um, my other boss at the school at the time where he was my boss yet his wife came in there and she was talking to me she was a black woman she said what's your major I say my major is CIS you should work for my husband and her husband was the director of IT at the College of Business oh wow so I ended up working for him what two years the first year was like work study then after that I didn't get for whatever reason I didn't have work study anymore but he just brought me on as a student worker and I was just a student IT tech you know for what, since what 2012 until I, I graduated but even that little bit did translate into when I finally started doing help desk so I think that's pretty cool that you went there Ross kind of when I tell clients I had a consultation with a with a, a guy in college the other day and I was like you know hey if you're trying to do this reach out to the you know the cybersecurity department at the school see if they want to volunteer or you know have a spot open for you to do work there or something like that's one of the easiest ways to to network and just get you a little bit of experience you know just some of the stuff that we know that they're not teaching them. Cause I've been honestly after dealing with like a lot of these college kids and stuff like that and stuff from what I know, experience from school, 
they not setting you up to learn how to find a job. That's the one class they don't give you, how to find a job. That's what they need to, that's what needs to be in your curriculum, how to get a job. I would love to teach that class at universities or, or a course on that, but because you got people finna lose their mind because they out here, they didn't spend all this money in school, did all these tests, and now they can't work nowhere. And they didn't went back and, and worked at the grocery store and people laughing at them because they, oh, you thought you was going to be better than us and all that. That type of stuff that happens that they don't talk about when, you know, postgraduate depression and all that kind of stuff. But not to, uh, you know, not to make the mood go down a little bit. <laughs> let's talk about like the, <laughs> let's talk about that, that first, we're going to say, we're going to call like everybody like the first big boy, big boy job, you know, after, after school, uh, what was that like? And, and what were you doing then? Uh, I was just lucky enough. I came out in the middle of a recession. Uh, <clears throat> I got a job doing this called uh, Pick Basic. It's another mini computer. And it was working for a third party insurance. You know, a lot of times when you do your medical claims, it doesn't go to the hospital. It goes to the third party. Figure it out. Uh, so I was working on a, a semi-relational system for that. I had a cool boss and uh I was just off and running. Uh, I was a little depressed because in the recession, my first job, I think I made $26,000. So, but I was like, I'm going to get my but, foot in the door and I'm going to get rolled. And then that's exactly what happened. Right. And uh, I'm still cool with the guy today. And uh, that's early I was, 90s, though, right? Yeah, that's probably, yeah, 91, 92. I need to look on my resume. Yep, early okay. 90s. So, yeah, for inflation, that might be. That might be what fifty, sixty thousand dollars now, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But you know, when you're young, you think you're gonna come out. You know, back then I thought oh, I'd yeah, come definitely. out about fifty or something. <laughs> but in oh, my yeah. mind, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get my foot in the door because it was really a programming job, so I was really excited. So I'm like, I'm gonna get in here and kill it, and it just, uh, it really set my life up. After that, I was just rolling downhill, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the viewers, uh, you said semi-relational. Yeah. Could you? Tell them kind of what that is. Uh, semi-relational. I think you said semi-relational database, right? Yeah, it was. It was. Okay. If, if you know what relational database is, usually you have a master detail. It's two separate tables and they're kind of related to a surrogate key. The number one everybody says customer address, right? It's one customer. You can have uh, multiple addresses and multiple phone numbers, right? That's relationship. Semi-relationship is that's usually two tables and microfocus cobalt. You had one record and they call these things uh, semi-tuples. So the relationship was in the same record as the first table. So that's why I call it semi-relationship. You wasn't, hit, hit, you wasn't uh, linking them together with foreign keys and primary keys like you normally do on a relational database. So that's why I call it was a semi-relational because you got to remember it was kind of a batch knockoff mini computer. So it wasn't fully relational like my next job we, when we talk about. It. So that's why the semi-relational one table. Uh, it did these things like semi uh, uh, rows, and it was linked because they were in the same table. It's it's, it's kind of funky, but yeah, definitely. It's funny you brought back some memories from uh, when I took a, uh, my SQL class in mm-hmm. undergrad with that problem in that foreign key. Um, um, I love that man. I love that. Life, <laughs> funny, somebody man. actually um, group message she just asked us about that uh, SQL. I was like, man, I ain't touched that. Inch. Going what ten years, ten plus years, I didn't actually really looked at it. Even though, you know, if you're using something like uh, Excel or uh, Microsoft mm-hmm. Access, that's technically what you're doing. Just on like mm-hmm. the the display, like GUI side, that you wouldn't know that you was what you was actually doing. Right. But 
So we did that job with the, the third party insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was the next leap to I guess like well, well we might skip some we might skip some steps. Let's mm-hmm. go to because I, I think everybody has a job once in their career. What's the first gig you got that you was like, I made it. Like I, I did what I what I said I wanted to do. The let's, next job. let's talk about that one. Really the next job after that, the guy actually became um CIO of a midside. It's, it's called AMA. It's actually model airplanes, which is weird. They got seven million uh um associates and they make a big money. But so he's saying, I'm actually working in Muncie, Indiana, which is small. I'm ready to get back to the big city. He goes, I just took over this company in Virginia. I want you to come work for me. I go, I don't know, man. I'm about to he goes, I'm gonna train you on this database called Oracle. And you're gonna be the DBA of Oracle and you're gonna do everything Oracle. And I looked it up. Those dudes was making 70. He said, I need you. I'm gonna train you. I'm gonna train you for three years. I'm going to give you all this training. You got to stay with me for three years. I said, bet. So he gave me probably $15,000 worth of training. Once I got that Oracle, man, I was off and running. Oracle just became gooey. So oh, this Oracle 6.5 going to 7. They just turned gooey. And man, once I got that Oracle bag, my next job, I, I've been blessed ever since, man. <laughs> man, hey, that's, that's really what it's about. Man. I think... I think that's what it is. It's like, see, you from the era, because you understand is you was born, and not to make you sound dated, because I remember a little bit of this too, because I'm a millennial, but I remember when stuff wasn't as accessible. Oh. Most of the these kids probably born like after 1995, 96, 97, all those kids. They grew up in a time where stuff was more accessible to them mm-hmm. far as, or they can go on YouTube, or they can watch video on demand, I could do all this and that, you know. I remember having, and it's, I sound old saying this. I remember, you know, going, I think back in the day, TV guy channel was like channel 10 or 9. I'm having to <laughs> yeah. go on that channel right there, trying to see what's going on for the night. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know my dad is, uh, I, my dad is what, 57. So he always mm-hmm. talked about the time, you know, like, hey, TV ain't used to stay on all night. They used to, the network right. used to cut off at a certain time. 3 a.m. I so, remember like it was yesterday. Go ahead, my father. I remember that. 3 a.m. <laughs> nah, you good. You good. <laughs> nah, it, it, it's just the fact of you know that what you know that with the knowledge is like you got to put in work to get, get the money. A lot of and one of the big problems we got into in this pandemic is a lot of these people who ain't even really in the field like that, just finding stuff online, stealing ideas and, and selling courses are pretty much hoodwinking people and saying, hey, yeah, come go get in tech and you and do my course and boot camp for X amount of time. You're going to go get six figures. And then mm-hmm. when they don't happen for the people, now they upset. I'm like, damn, like, because one, you was lied to, number one. Why is a company going to, unless you just lying on your resume and you very good at interviewing, what company is going to come out and give you that? I mean, we've, we've got, I know like people used to always embellish a little bit, but like I'm telling you now, I don't know if you didn't got a chance to see it, but I just seen some resumes. So it's just got some stuff on there. That don't even add up for somebody who <laughs> don't got the experience. Like the time I ran into a young lady who had like, she has, she has Splunk experience, all type of Sims and stuff on there. But when I asked her what it was, she couldn't tell me. And her not knowing what I know is that, Hey, in InfoSec, after you have about two, three years experience, you really ain't got to apply anymore because they're going to find you on LinkedIn. Facts, facts. 
like I I don't can't remember the last time I really applied for a role. They find me. So th- that's some of the things that these people don't know that we know. And then I don't I don't know if you're on Twitter like that, but you know, they get mad at people like me and some people that I had on the panel because we not for the BS. Most of us worked our way up to get what we did. We didn't just walk in and and they, you know, unload the brink sucks to us. No. <laughs> you know, so we we sound like the old the old people. I'm like, hey man, I'm just trying to say for real, because unlike other jobs, I take everything I do in my role seriously because if something is messed up, it could negatively negatively impact the actual business. I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize we're supporting a business, not that we just work into work. Fine. What we do supports this whole business. And if this business goes down, you might as well, you know, possibly looking for something else. Oh, fine. That's why I tell people every day. Shout out. You're never going to date me, man. My age is what I am. So you never have to worry about that. Like I tell people, <laughs> and I tell people, I do cybersecurity. We'll get more into that at the federal level. I was talking to my boss. If we get hacked, we got 34 million records. You get credit, you get credit monitoring at $100 a record. That's $3.4 billion if we get hacked, if we got to give credit monitoring. So I can't make a mistake. <laughs> well, I can, but I'm going to get fired, right? Because I tell them I'm about this security life. If you make a mistake in cybersecurity, depending on where you at, that can cost a company hey, a billion listen. dollars with the big B. All the time, man. And I've been I've been on them calls where uh, I was working for, uh, I was a lead for MSS one time. And I, I jumped on the call. It was like, my, my manager was like, hey, so-and-so got hit by ransomware. So I'm in the call. And they were running around like chickens with their head cut off. Nobody knows what's going on. Disorganized. They didn't work on no contingency plans. I was like. And so, and and that's another thing. Everybody want to do the wild, wild west stuff in cyber, not realizing mm. that policy-based stuff, stuff in writing, it's a bag there and it's important. Oh, yeah. It was on your show, like, the, guy, the guy with the hat. Y'all were talking GRC. AJ. That's how I make my first big bag on the GRC. So, yeah, facts, man. Yeah, man. So, that's why I, I, every time I, my goal with this channel one is exposure, two, to educate, and three, just to give it to you straight, you know, that's because nice. you can go everywhere else. But when you come here, you're like, you know what? Hey, I, don't like, I might not like what he say, but you know what? He keeping it real with us right now because – you ain't gonna get real, get it real like that from some of people who just want your money. Thanks. For me, I, I want you to to pay me for my services, but at the end of the day, I'd rather not work with you if you want me to lie to you. I I I'll hold you accountable if you ain't if you ain't working hard, please. I'm like, I could show you coworker right now or people. They say, man, you always busy. I say, yeah, I'm studying. Like right now, <laughs> I ain't even got a chance to really do the last. But Azure 900, just learning a little bit more about Azure. Um, this content stuff, other stuff that I got in the works. So, yeah, man. But that that Oracle, man. So were they were they public by that time or what? Oh yeah, they public. Like, and they was just getting government big government contracts because they were really doing government work before AWS because AWS is not even started yet. So Oracle had all the government work because you mm-hmm. government's got all this. Um, Things you need to do with encryption, FIPS 140-2, DR. Oracle had all that stuff from the federal side, so they would just print money on the Oracle database. Um, I'm thinking like somebody invested in them back then, man. They they got some bread. 
Oh, they did, but they fell off a little bit because they didn't see the cloud coming. Larry Ellison called AWS a toy at first when it first came out because they had, you know, they were the big Billy on the yard. So they didn't think AWS was serious. They were the big boy on the yard. Yeah. So. I think that's what tends to always happen when there's a shift. I think the what's taught me about how, because I have people ask me all the time, like in comments, I'm like, hey, Don, do you ever get bored of this and that? I was like, no, mm-hmm. because I'm always it's always a different threat or I'm learning something new. This isn't yeah. most of the time, you know, you get the job where it's just super mundane and you start doing the same thing over and over again, which is one of the reasons why I chose it. And when I tell people like knowing your why for, you know, wanting to get in is another thing that's going to help you with longevity in the game, but being adaptable, that's probably one of the biggest traits and skill sets that you can have as, you know, as an employee, but also if you're a business owner, you know, we had so many great companies that didn't adapt I mean, honestly, I kind of want stuff a little bit to go back just a tad bit to the old days because I don't mind going to uh, Blockbuster or Video One, you know, <laughs> to go pick up some videos because, you know, that was that was family time. But a lot of people like the convenience of the, you know, the, I think the writing was on the wall when they ain't really give Netflix any mind because when Netflix started saying, hey, pay this thing a month you can and you can send this back whenever you want to, you know, that was the game changer. You know, Blockbuster and them say, hey, you only got a week. And then they started renting out games and then Gamefly was out there. And so all these different things was coming and nobody told them, hey, man, maybe you should um, maybe we should start doing this. We got the money now. We can spend the money and we can still be relevant. Or the crazy thing is Google it. Uh, Netflix went to Blockbuster and tried to sell it to itself to Blockbuster. And Blockbuster said, no, nah, y'all, y'all, y'all playing. <laughs> right. And, you know, because anybody could have saw back then, granted, internet connections weren't super fast or whatever, but you had to see the way that technology was going that this is something that would be lucrative. Just like all the phone makers laughed at uh, Steve Jobs when they talk about that iPhone. Mm-hmm. Now look at them. Some of them guys ain't even making phones no more. And if they is, they just making uh, certain things on the phone because back they had what? All the phones right then. You had your Windows phone. You had your BlackBerry. Because uh, back then, HTC was a major player. Yeah, uh, I would say HTC. Samsung had like the Blackjacks and stuff. I remember it was a good time for, for choice, but some of them guys didn't adapt good. Motorola. I mean, they make oh, phones here and there. Uh, but yeah, shoot. I just thought about my last episode. When I was talking about, you know, my first time ever hearing about Bez, BlackBerry Enterprise Server, oh, yeah. or Good for Mobile, like, you know, all, pretty much it's stuff that if people actually go and, and research, I, I don't know if they still, people still use Good for Mobile. I know they still people using, um, what's the thing called? Iron Mail or whatever it's called. Mobile Iron. Uh, mobile Iron. Like all little technologies like that, mm-hmm. somebody can actually niche down and learn about and have a job just supporting that or, or just being an admin of it. So it's a million ways to skin a cat. You just got to find somebody that's going to show you how to do it. But let's see, you said 11 years. So the Oracle was still the Mm -hmm. nineties. What? Okay. Well, well, I'll frame it like this. What are some things that you notice changing from like, I guess, I ain't never said like the old millennium, but old millennium to like the new millennium. Like, I guess as, as uh, computing power start to double mm-hmm, and change, mm-hmm. and also internet started to get faster, yeah. so you like, were actually in this field in real time dealing with all this <laughs> stuff. 
And how, how was that? How did you, are there people that didn't adapt yeah. and then they kind of just stuck now? And then like, how, how was that? What did they ever come? You guys say, y'all better come learn this, this, and this, or, you know, I'm, I'm just going to let you rock with like some of the questions I asked. No, that's fine. Um, no, but yeah, we the the thing you just said is the phones, right? When you first phones, it was the pager in the phone. Now look at where we now, where you got apps on the phone. In the nineties, weren't really people thinking of apps. The killer app is what you just talked about. Was the true the was the BlackBerry because the BlackBerry had the email app. So you see all executives now. You got all the apps on your phone, right? So the transition is really from beepers to you know you got more power than what they launched a rocket with in the 60s, right? So the, the power you have, you know, people didn't realize GPS used to cost. You used to put these discs in your trunks. Now you got Google Maps. I tell you for free. It's hard to be free. You know, your I mean, people used to carry boom boxes. Now you carry your phone with your headset. So just the transition of the phone. The technology, you got to think, I was from the mainframe. Then it went to client server where you put all your apps actually on a PC. Then it went mini computer with Oracle. Now it's in the cloud, right? So I knew mainframe guys that couldn't uh, master relational. I was laughing at those guys because, you know, I said, I like, relational is easy. The mainframe guys was like, man, I can't I can't understand it. I don't get it. So some of those guys just faded away, right? Because everything re- relational. Now, some of the mainframe guys still working, right? There's a few mainframe, mainframes out there. They make a ton of money. Then we went client service to relational, right? It was like, okay, we ruling mini computer. Then we went back to everything on the PC. Then we went back to mini computer. Now we go on everything is in the cloud, which really is a mainframe. They just spread up to me in the cloud, right? It looks like one box a lot of times when you look at them, right? Everybody's VM in boxes. I call it the mainframe. Y'all just VMing it to death, right? So that's a eight-year right. transactions. And there's a lot of people that miss, make that leap because when I went from relational to object-oriented trying to do Java, I was like, I apologize to all the mainframe people because I was struggling at first because it was just such a paradigm shift going to object-oriented. So if you don't keep up with technology, you could disappear. I knew BlackBerry programmers were making $100,000. Them dudes don't exist anymore, right? And some of them didn't make the leap to the new stuff. So that's the the hard, the easy and the hard thing about it is you can catch a bag if you jump on the new stuff. But even at 53, you got to constantly learning. I'm studying my AWS. Shout out Dewan. I'm about to take my practitioner test because I want to take out my security, take it up to the cloud, and that'd be my next bag. But that's a new technology. Now I've done three tier on prem, three tier on the cloud is similar, but it's different technology. So you got to continue to grind, continue to learn. Even at fifty three, man, I'm I'm cracking open books like you, man, because I don't want to disappear. <laughs> so that's it at a high Definitely. level, man. <laughs> Definitely, man. Let me let me because you're so I made this this point about sometimes if I went to different company to company. And I've said, you know, I understand it's a bad thing, but I do understand why sometimes ageism mm-hmm. exists mm-hmm. because I've worked with some people who are older than me, probably their 40s or close to 50s. And it's one of two things they said in their ways or they just not getting it no more. Thanks, thanks. And we know in this field, you got to want to. You got to be able to. Somebody tell you something, you got to be able to want to change. You got to try to. Because it's frustrating if you're the person that keep messing up. And and, and so that's one of the things I, um, I realize. And 
I don't know. I, I, I know it's a handful of people. I've been around some like some great people who've been older. They've always been pushing the needle for me. Somebody look at it. And I've also been over some people that were older. And I'm like, like <laughs> just retire or just get off my team. Just uh, give me somebody else. But sometimes I got to the point where I just I go take somebody from a buggy pusher and I can make them do some over what y'all are trying to do. Y'all are here stealing money. My uncle, when I used to play drums, stuff like that, he made jokes with us saying we stealing church money. <laughs> no, but um, that's facts. I'm glad I did an ageism video, and a lot of people like it because, and that's what I was trying to be in there. You don't want to be old and, and in the way, right? Technology moves quick, right? So I, I want to make sure I'm a value add. And one thing younger people like working for me is if you're the manager, a lot of old people want to be like, "Well, I know more than you. I'm older than you." If you're the manager, my job is to make you look good, man. I, I got my bag. I'm not trying to be anyway. I see a lot of old people. I'm like, let the young dude manage, man. You, why aren't you helping him? They trying to over talk him in meetings. I'm like, no, no, I, my job is to help you. So a lot of young guys, and that's too, like, you know, I get a calls from a lot of young guys asking me questions like that. And I'm like, number one is you got to set precedent, man. You can't let nobody walk over. You're going to have to get on. And mm-hmm. two is if you need something, call me, man. I'm the OG. I, I can drop you for a few knowledge just because my first uh, supervisor job, went horribly. So I got some experience on that. Everything didn't go well. So, you know, how do you do when people are jumping over you, going to your manager, right? Those are the soft skills, right? So all that plays into it. But once again, as ageism, I got to keep my skills up. I can't do it because I'm old and cute right now. That's a joke, right? I got to add value to the team. And I think, like you said, a lot of old people like, oh, I'm just trying to get to the retirement. I'm like, but you holding up the team, player. You got to add value. Yeah, definitely. It's like... I don't know. I think I know for me, I end up being the lead and then some people was jealous. But I'm like, yes. if you look at your you look at your performance, it's the reason why they chose me and not you. And that's kind of I kind of left it at that. Like, I remember all of us was in this group message and I said, you know what? In order for me to be effective, I can't necessarily be friends with them. I only had one friend the old job because we used to work together mm-hmm. uh, at another company. Speaking of, which is, I don't know if you saw this, but I saw... That McAfee and uh, Fire Eye merged to Trillix. I, I just saw that today. I was thinking about doing a video now. I just saw because they doing a name change. Yeah, I just saw that. I was like, okay. Yeah, I, I saw that because see, I used to work for McAfee, so that's mm-hmm. that's interesting because they were. I'm not gonna lie, they were a sinking ship. Uh, I don't even know why places still use EPO. Honestly, it's just outdated to me. I don't ever work. Uh, their sim was horrible. I didn't ever really get to test their firewall, but. Uh, Overall, that that place they started. It's crazy. One of the things I haven't seen, and I probably either do a video on this. You probably did one on it. I don't know, but workplace culture is a uh, is actually a big. It could be actually be a big killer to your business. Oh, it's gonna be like a little a worm or something from the inside out. Like slowly but surely, um, they came in hiring people that didn't know what they was doing, and then start I guess losing money and having to re- reduce workforce, but didn't have a real vision. So slowly but surely, you started seeing either people just straight up quitting, people getting uh, laid off, or all the above. Like my one of my other friends, um, me and him used to work at well Trellix, uh, formerly known as McAfee, together. And when I started the new place, I said, "Man, listen, I can't take this no more, man. Are y'all hiring?" I said, "You know what? My director is looking for other people. Let me uh, reach out to him." So I had got my friend just about on before I even started working. So I didn't even get a chance to refer him. <laughs> but you know how bad it got to be for somebody just to go like that? Like, 
that's that's one of the things that's crazy. And you can't really only sometimes you only can tell the culture is bad is when you go to somewhere where it's good. That's how you really tell, yeah, it was trash. That's how it was like nine day. When I left McAfee and went to Optif, I was like, this is so much better. These people know what they are doing. These other people didn't. They hired people like one of one of our managers didn't know a sock was supposed to be 24 by 7. How wow. they put you over the sock and you didn't know that? Well, the only reason I pause is I've, I've worked in big companies where if you got the hookup, they'll put you there because they just think you managing people, right? So they think you're just dealing with budgets. But like you said, they setting the culture, they setting the tone. So to be honest, I've seen that a little more than I would like. The hookup. Man. So, but I but see, I think it was just the the person they hired used to work for the FBI. So I'm figuring maybe they thought he's gonna have some contacts oh. for some contracts or something. Oh yeah, which is fine. But you know, in the midst of it, spent a whole bunch of money to build a very nice looking sock. I'm talking about very nice. It was cool. Uh, maybe I can find some pictures of it. But it's like you spent all that money instead of training us. Like they could have paid for some training over the money they used on the on the sock, and then start letting us go. I'm like, I mean, hey, if that's what you want to do. <laughs> yeah, like you said, I've seen a lot of. Yeah, I could say that I've seen a lot of bad managers in in my time, and you know, you just kind of learn to uh, work around them, or you just leave, right? Because you, your skills get at a certain level where you're like, yeah, I just go do something else. So, and I've never done one on culture fit for me. I'm just kind of like, I'm going to work there. If I don't like the culture, I leave. So I've just I've just always been that way yeah. my whole life. And I try to tell people, I feel like I'm going to change the culture, right? I'm going to come in. I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to make sure I help people. And I think I can help the culture move. Sometimes I was right. Sometimes I was wrong and I had to leave. So um, I'm not a huge culture guy, but I've been on a bad company where that stuff can uh, really send you over the edge, right? It was just... Um, a really tough time in my life when I was at a, a horrible company. One of my uh, second times being a supervisor. So yeah, I can, I can definitely understand that. Right. And, and let's talk about this real quick before we get into the, to some of the meat and potatoes. What's your view on job hopping? And I'll preface it first by like saying, mm-hmm. I want to say like some of your generation came up in a time where they could go to certain companies and, like by this age already been retired because you had those manufacturing jobs or mm-hmm. those other jobs where, Hey, you can stay there 10, 15, 20, 30 years. You know, it's fine. Like I remember I've said this often, but talking to my mom while I was navigating yeah. my career and I'm telling her, Hey, you know, I'm finna go to this company. So I said, no, nah, you need to stay there. They want you. I was like, mom, these companies don't care about no loyalty no more. They just want nice. you to do the job. I was like, I can't leave money on the table because the money that they offering that I think I'm going to hold out and get the next time might not be there. The market may be bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I might as well lock myself in, you know, at a company somewhere as opposed to, oh, well, that two years ago, y'all was offering this. Surely, you know, I can't always say it's going to be that, you know, that plentiful anywhere. So because I've, I've seen that, I've seen like a lot of old people try to tell us that not, not knowing mm-hmm. some people like you and other people who've been in the field long enough, like, like, no, Job hop to, to get your experience and get your money. Facts, facts. No, I'm I'm with you 100. Um, the the thing I try to tell people is at least job hop with a purpose. What skills am I going to get for this job? What is the hot technology I know can carry me for five years? Right when I got Oracle, Oracle carried really carried me for ten years. Right, so my first thing I think yeah I kind of 
But job hopping for me, as I might work at a job for two or three years and hop. My mom was like, you, she's like, you can't keep changing jobs, boy. I'm like, mama, you don't know how these people do that. She got older. She goes, companies really don't care about you. I go, I just got my mom, baby. I said, baby, they get rid of me as quick as I get rid of them. So now, like I said, I just, I just want you to do it purposely, right? What am I getting in this company? What are the skill sets? What are the domain knowledges I'm getting? And what is the tools I'm going to get? Right. So long as you do it with intention, I'm cool with it. Right. Yeah, definitely. And see, honestly, people, I'm for job hopping, but I wasn't a job hopper. Like I stayed at Opta three years and almost three and a half years because in those three years, they allowed me to grow. I get, I got a good raise every year, very good raise, promotions, title changes. I got to experience a whole bunch of things. So by the time the three and a half was up, that was about the time I said, okay, at this particular position, I think I did all I could. And I, I could have moved around in the company because I had made a good name for myself, but I did want to, I'm in FinTech now. So I kind of want to experience that and see what's the difference, the financial sector over what I was doing already. So that was re- the reason why I chose to move. But uh, my old manager, who's a director at that company now, she's a real one because she's told everybody, she's like, you know, I don't really expect any of my guys to, you know, to stay at my company or stay with us, you know, for X amount of time because you're trying to level up in your career. And she's also said, if you're a person that's possibly just never promoted or stayed in the same place, it might be something wrong. You know, we need to look into what's going on with that. And uh, to me, that's also a red flag as well. It's like, if I look at your resume and you did the same role for that, unless you like some type of consultant or something, that's but me. you just did the same low level role, like, you know, what's up? Like, mm-hmm. So that's that's how I look at it. That's true, and that's, I'm sure we're gonna drill in that. I've just been lucky. Uh, uh, I've been at the, my state agency for 11 years, and before that, I was at DOD for 11 years. But in that 11 years, I had like six different jobs. Like you said, I was getting promoted and stuff. And my current job is I'm actually an advisor. I talk to the CIO, the CISO, and the COO from a cybersecurity perspective. Uh, every day. And we do uh, large audits because we get uh, audited by the federal government. So um, so that's kind of why I've been a high level consultant for the last 22 years. <laughs> I had two jobs. So it's it's quite it's quite um, different. But like I said, I had many jobs in both of those uh, assignments as a consultant. Nice. Uh, so let's go ahead and segue into like present day now. Like we'll 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 segue into your pretty much like your cybersecurity kind of career and what you do in DOD and what you're doing now, okay. you know, a little bit about that. Okay. So I was consulting at DOD and in the third or fourth year I was doing, uh, I got promoted. I was a web admin and an application DBA. We were spinning up Apache Tomcat. I had a probably a hundred VMs I was responsible for with different teams. Uh, Back then, too, as I was programming in Java and Oracle, and I actually knew how to spin it up, so they put me on a web team and app team. Then uh, DISA is the government's private cloud. They came out because the government's getting beat up by China, Japan, and Russia. So they said, we're going to teach y'all security. We're going to teach you STIG, CIS checks, how to harden stuff. So they brought these guys in to show us how to do that. So that kind of was my foray into uh, cybersecurity. It's called ATO, or an authority to operate. So the system we were working on, you got dualist hardening and all this paperwork. It's called a FISMA report, authority to operate. It's 
It's probably a thousand pages of documentation. So me helping the web team and the app team actually harden and do that paperwork got me started in cybersecurity at, at a federal level. Then Amaya, uh, she was actually the PM of our 500 programmers. She became the CIO of a large government agency, and she invited me to come work for her because I used to help her. They used to send me to help teams. So she's like, I want you to come here and help me start up my cybersecurity program. So then uh, once I started doing that, we report to the IRS, and I've been doing cybersecurity ever since. So that's kind of a quick foray how I got into it. And now, like I said, I advise uh, CEOs, CISOs, <laughs> so presidents, VPs. So that's kind of what I do in my main job. And I'm going to have those people on my channel so we can talk about what does management view in the cybersecurity? Because they really don't care about Linux and Cisco. They want to know what is this uh, bug or vulnerability? What's the risk of that causing us to get hacked? How much, how much that's going to cost me? You know, how much going to cost They don't care about none of that stuff. So that put me in the upper level. I'm a little grumpy because I don't even get to touch computers. They're like, we pay you too much. We need you to work on this compliance and make sure all the other teams are tight. So that's kind of what I do in my current uh, job now. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I think it's a, a, a thing people mostly do in the government. Uh, the term stig. Oh, yeah. I heard it a lot. And somebody's asked me about it before. I was like, I've never did, had to do anything. Right. Do it's stig a government is. term. Like, what, it's, what is it? It's basically hardening what you do on uh, any device. So it's the check. So like I say, I run Apache. That was about 250 checks they did. They got I got to put in a configuration. So the government believes those are hardening the system. When we did Oracle, I think it was about 300 checks. These are the checks we need to do in the fig and the config. There's usually 10% cat ones, a bunch of cat twos, and a few cat threes. Cat twos, if you can fix them, you can accept the risk. They really want you to do a mitigated control. So it's a ton of paperwork so they can figure out the compliance of their organization and you can see the risk. Like you got a cat ones with a lot of stuff being attacked in a while, you're not very secure. But until you try to do those checks and do those scans, you don't know that. So STIG is just really hardening up your vice. And they got them for probably 90% of the technology used. Then they got stuff called general. Like this is general web server. So if you knew you using one of the new web server, they would just be general checks to put in. So Stig's is actually just hardening on the device. Everything from uh, Oracle, Apache, Tomcat, Windows, Linux, Amazon Linux. They even got them for the cloud. So yeah, it's just checks uh, to use to figure out what the risk is to your organization. Nice, nice. So, and since you brought up the cloud and you said you do a lot more stuff with compliance now, uh, how is that? Because I know, for example, you know, with AWS, I'm familiar with AWS and Azure, they both have like their own little advisor type things that can Mm -hmm. run, you know, in your Mm -hmm. cloud environment that make suggestions. Has software like that made it easier uh, for your job as far as to stay compliant and things you're working on or, or what? A little both. It makes it easier because, um, especially Amazon, they said they handle of the cloud. So they're going to make sure your routers are right. Your If you use one of their services, right, you can look on there. They'll tell you if that service HIPAA approved, FedRAMP approved. So they give you all that documentation, right? Uh, to, then they let you configure, like your VPC. They give you the components, but they don't configure it for you, right? So I still got to, you're right. doing a three-tier, two-tier what do you got open? What do you got closed? Right. What you got mm-hmm. open to the net? What you got closed? So I still got to check that you can figure it right. The the problem with that is a lot of small companies go, 
Ooh, I'm in AWS. I'm secure. I go, no, you're not. You can still no, got to configure it, right? So I think a lot of people misunderstand that there's still a lot of configuration. And um, two is there actually is called a government cloud. It's just for government agencies yeah. that they have to invite you in. Right. So I use that's the private. Of, that's the private version. Right. Like just the yep. government uh, yep. clouds. Right. Yeah. So you as a vendor can go in, but somebody's got to invite you in because they're going to use your product. So I review a lot of vendors that think they're ready to go in a government cloud. And I'm like, your encryption is no, not at FIPS 140-2. Your VPC is not right. Like you said, run the advisor. The advisor needs some advice. But a lot of smaller companies, they're not to that level, right, to using those hey, tools they properly. Might- those smaller companies might need to reach out to bite check. <laughs> facts, facts. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I think it's plus because um, Amazon, Azure, and Google got a thousand security guys that are top notch. But you still have responsibility when you configure your setup and put your application in the cloud. You're responsible for that. And I think a lot of small, even mid-side vendors don't get that because I end up arguing with them. So, <laughs> Yeah. And it's funny because what you just said reminds me of what most companies think, not even just pertaining to the cloud, is, oh, we got these security advices. Surely we're secure. No. Well, no. Right. <laughs> and two is you got to remember, too, when you do federal level, there's different levels. You can do PCI credit card, which is low, or you could go up to DOD FISMA, which is super high. Right. So you still got to make sure you're using the right components in AWS Azure. That's uh can handle that level of security because they tell you uh, if you're using this NoSQL database, it won't support FISMA DOD because it doesn't have encryption at rest at FIPS 140-2. Uh, well, sorry, FIPS 140-3 now, which is encryption you send to the government. They got to look at it and make sure you're doing it right. Just because you pull out the Internet and they say it's doing AES, you don't know if they're doing it right. So they send their encryption to the right. government so they can look into it and certify it. Yeah, definitely. But I'll even not even get that uh, specific. They'll have the tools, but they won't be configured properly. I know. I see it all the time. <laughs> I see they got a sim and ain't nothing but, but out of the box rules that they've been configured for nothing, number noise. You got, uh, you know, your, your, your Nessus and Rapid7 and your Qualys, all those things. They ain't been touched. So they just keep on firing on stuff that probably not even affecting, you know, your environment. Got like a lot of noise out there is going on. Your EDR not set up correctly. People missing stuff. You, you, you <laughs> like, talking to Vance. I'm talking about people. They got to configure it before they get to the EDR. <laughs> but I feel yeah. you. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I'm saying on my, on my end, because see, I never had yeah. to worry about. Right. I think it was only a couple of times when they brought up like something like SOC 2 to us. Like we said, oh, we got to make sure we in this standard right here because they finna come in and do this audit. So I never really had to worry about I just always had to worry about, you know, are these rules good? No, what can we do to change them? You know, are they actionable for the analysts? You know, that's one thing the STIG does is it tells you the base rules you need to get certified off. Now, there's a lot more rules they need. And that's one people why I tell people I I like the STIGs a lot is a lot of companies not just hiring basic level people. So the STIG tells you exactly what that setting needs to be right to help you. Everybody ain't got somebody like you that got their skills. So if you <laughs> so they need a little help with the sticks to tell you what their settings exactly should be. Definitely. I mean, no, well, one of the things I do want to do, and this probably be into this segue into the next thing, but like I've been asking everybody like this is like, what's next? Mm-hmm. I don't know what's immediately next, but one of the things I do want to do is eventually with my poly branding, have my own, you know, consulting company as well, where mm-hmm. I get some government contracts or something like that. I know it's, there's ways to do that, but even you know, 
the expertise that's different that you bring. So what I do know from the brief brief time I was in government sector when I was doing uh with TSA, pretty much mm-hmm. most of everything was locked down, which makes it easier to actually secure because people can't just run wild. Whereas you work for a company that's not public and say, oh, we don't want to make our users, right. you know, we want them to be have freedom. Okay, with right. the freedom, this is what's going to come with it. Uh, right. So I, I think that'll be an interesting perspective because I've also had clients who's like, well, I'm not too familiar with, you know, not working somewhere that's not government related. You know, some right. people actually probably shy away from moving out of the government sector. And I can understand why, I mean, you know, it's cushy. I mean, I, I think you got to be real bad to get fired from a government job. Yeah, unless you're a consultant. Yeah, if you are FTE, you have to stab somebody. <laughs> you have to physically right. stab somebody. But, but I, what I tell people, do is my security clearance just expired. If you get a security clearance and you halfway good, I got fat off. I'm still fat from the government, man. That's some good jacket. It's, <laughs> and it's too, they do the FBI background. So once you, especially if you get a top secret, uh, I had a um, low and I was just, they just told me I was getting my top secret certified. If you get a top secret and you halfway decent, you can eat real well on the government now. Because it's yeah, my- it's its own language and its own paperwork. So once you master that, you way down. Now. Like you said, we're talking sticks. Most people never, at least you heard of them. Most people never heard of that. So that's a whole different language, whole different GRC, whole different authority to operate how you need a harding. So once you get that kind of mastered, you, 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 you often run it. Yeah, I got a, my secret is, uh, it's not active right now, but the current company, when I told them, I said, well, it's like, hey, if you wanted to get, you know, reactivated, let us know. Because uh, I hadn't used it since 2016. I understand. Yeah, my that. But people know, I work with this guy with a top secret polygraph when they were going into uh, like super top secret places in Virginia. He wasn't good. He would go in and call people, but he was the only one who could go into the building, man, because he had a top secret policy. Some buildings, you got to have a top, top right. secret. He was ex-Navy uh, SEAL guy. So, yeah. Right. So, yeah. And, and that's crazy because that goes into like, man, listen, I've always been kind of like somewhat of a outspoken rebel, to say the least. Oh. Like when we worked call center, I was like, man, they underpaying us. You know what, guys? Let's, not, let's tell them we ain't going to answer no calls for about five minutes. Until we get some, you know, situated. Nobody wanted to join me. Nice. What they didn't understand, what I understand was the fact that they couldn't just bring people in to replace us because they uh, needed clearances. Oh, yeah. So I was like, yeah. we got, <laughs> I was like, we got leverage, but nobody wanted to utilize it. So, but the funny, well, not, I won't say funny, but ironically, at, shortly after I left, they ended up losing that contract because mm-hmm. they started losing a lot of their good people. Right. I you don't want to move us up. You don't want us to pay us right. That's what's yeah. going to happen. That's the other real thing. I don't think we're going to get into it now is uh, VoIP is just part of the network now. <laughs> it used to be separate. So mm-hmm. securing packages and securing call centers and bridging VPNs, right? All that's on the, all that's on the computers now. It used to be kind of separate. Right. All that's just on the network. Yeah, because we had a whole VoIP team. We had a, yeah. then we had a VoIP team. You had a networking team. You had a team uh, just to set up the printers. Mm-hmm. You had an exchange team. We had uh, camera. Like, I was like, they had a team for everything. So that actually kind of used to spoil me in a bit because every company now, like that, everybody don't have just all uh-huh. these different resolver groups to send it to. Back uh-huh. then, it made it 
easy, like figuring out who to send it. I was sending it to tier three networking. Okay, bet. Well, like you said, technology is getting better, so it's not as complex as it used to be. Like you said, it used to be everything, but now voice packet and regular IP packet, they just package, right? You got to make sure your firewall doesn't, you know, slow down your voice so it don't get choppy, but those firewalls are used to that. Like, so now as technology gets better, right? You got to move up the chain, right? And I, I believe you need less people. When we can debate that, there was some documentation saying, I don't need as many network people because I'm in the cloud. I just need a couple people uh, uh, configuring my BPC and getting my cloud formation, right? And we can automate all that stuff, right? So now I just need a different set of people, right? They're they're probably different, but I don't think I need as many VPC people because they automate and all this stuff. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I feel you on that one. So we'll ask you the question this. I kind of already said kind of I got other some other stuff in uh, that's what's next that I can't reveal just yet. <laughs> but for you, what's next? <laughs> I'm trying to figure that out. I, I was kind of selling in, but I, I talked to some other people on YouTube. You know, they were giving me advice. Um, I'm actually thinking about maybe being a CISO. I got invited to a friend of mine starting a uh, business. So I might be a virtual CISO for him. Uh, I was like you said, I'm like, maybe I should give me some government contracts. So realistically, I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> so uh, my contract ends in June. So I'm just, um, I got invited to be advisor for a large insurance company. It's kind of like right under CISO. Um, somebody asked me to be a c- compliance director. I'm like, man, I want to be an SRE on a AWS. Man, I want to touch some boxes. So I'm trying to figure <laughs> that out. To be, I ain't touched the box probably in five years. I've got to start spinning up my labs for my classes I teach on YouTube. So it's funny you said that. I was kind of like, I'm going to be a compliance director and chill. But people like, oh, you can go out here and get 200, 250. You can be a CISO. I'm like, if you being a manager, do I want the headache of that? Right. Because you got to babysit. Right. Uh, first time I fired somebody, I almost cried. I can fire people at a drop of a hat now. No, I'm old and grumpy. But do I want that noise? <laughs> do I want to babysit? Right. So I'm really kind of um, just thinking about really what I really what I want to do. My buddy was like, go somewhere, be a manager and hire us. Or, you know, I got a lot of young people <laughs> on YouTube. I could like hire somebody, you know, have my own intern program. So I, to be honest, I'm trying to figure it out in, in my old age. I was going to go somewhere and be a, a compliance <laughs> director, just chill. But a lot of people were, uh, got me thinking of other stuff now. So I'm trying to figure it out, to be honest. Man. Nice, nice, man. That's uh, that's nice. Uh, let's see what else I actually went. But, you know, we kind of made it to the end of the podcast. And... I have Professor Black Ops information in the description, but is there any other place they can follow you at or get in touch with you at? No, I'm just really here. I'm about to get on, uh, like you said, on Twitter. I call it the Twitter like I'm old. So, no, nah, just capture me on YouTube and I'm going to start branching out to other stuff, man. That's going to be my base. Uh, I'm old. I just want to concentrate on YouTube for a minute. I'm about to hop on Twitter, though, because I don't know. Y'all be getting beat up on Twitter. I might not want to go on Twitter. So, no, nah, just catch me on YouTube. I'm out there grinding. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll figure out what we're gonna do from there, man. I appreciate you for inviting me, man. And I, I love your panels. Everybody check my man out, subscribe. He he should be well over ten thousand, man. I know he's gonna get there. And anything I can do for you, just hit me up. Man, I appreciate that, man. Y'all know where to find me. Look, like I said, I'm going to be the Joe Budden of Technology Podcast with the next couple of years. I said it, you heard it here first. Y'all catch me at all my socials at my textualconsultant.start.page. In the description, book consultation, grab my ebook. You already know what to do. 
But hey, let's stay textual. <laughs> <laughs>